Well, thank you so much for worshipping with us. I do pray as you join us for our morning devotions that the Lord would strengthen your heart and sweeten your day with his glorious presence. Well, as you listen this morning, wherever you are and whatever you're going through, oh, may you experience heaven come down and glory to fill your soul. Well, as we now worship together, I'm delighted that our dear friend Nathan Drake is going to lead us in our opening gospel hymn, What Can Wash Away My Sin? So let's worship together.
Well, let us now unite our hearts in prayer. Let's pray. O our gracious and eternal God, to enter your presence is such a welcome home, for the joy of your smiling face lifts us, to gaze upon your beauty amazes us, and to receive your forgiveness humbles us. But oh, to swim in your love, oh, how it excites us. And so, Lord, as we bow before you this morning, yes, we're aware of our sin, our weakness and frailty. The weight of it all brings us down. But oh, when we get a glimpse of your mercy, your might and majesty, then our hearts are drawn upward, where we experience mercy, forgiveness and cleansing. Oh, may the sanctifying power of the Holy Spirit fall upon us, change us, transform us, renew and revive us and may the beauty of Jesus be seen in us and so we rejoice and sing the praises of him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father to him be glory and power for ever and ever and as we pray in Jesus sweet and precious name we now join our hearts as we share in the Lord's Prayer, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power and the glory for ever. Amen. Well, I'm now going to invite Daniel to come and read to us from the Word of God. Thanks, Daniel. Let us hear the Word of God as we read in the book of Exodus, chapter 12, verses 1 to 14. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, This month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbour, having taken into account the number of people there are. You are to determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with what each person will eat. The animals you choose must be year-old males without defect and you may take them from the sheeps or the goats. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month, when all the people of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it in the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they ate the lambs. That same night they are to eat the meat roasted over the fire, along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. Do not eat the meat raw, or cooked in water, but roast over the fire, head, legs and inner parts. Do not leave any of it till morning. If some is left till morning, you must burn it. This is how you are to eat it, with your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. On that same night I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn, both men and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. 
the blood will be a sign for you in the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. This is a day you are to commemorate for the generations to come. You shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. This is the word of God. Timber the glory. Amen. Well, this morning we return to our theme, Christ Revealed, where we walk with the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. Here they are, absolutely broken. But in their sadness, Jesus draws near. Here we see the heart of Christ. He doesn't point the finger of condemnation. He doesn't shame them over the weakness of their faith. Instead, he mends their broken hearts. Then he opens the eyes of their hearts where they see Christ revealed. Notice how Jesus heals them. He meets them where they are. So what are you discussing? And so he invites them into fellowship with himself, even in their brokenness. Well, we also notice in Luke how they didn't just have a broken heart. They had also lost heart. They had become backslidden. They once dared to believe, but now they were doubting. They once ran with Christ, but now they were retreating. They once were thrilled with Jesus, but now their hearts had become chilled. Well, Jesus describes them as being slow of heart to believe. How do you restore a broken and backslidden heart? Well, Luke tells us that Jesus opened up the scriptures to them. Well, this has been my prayer and my desire for those listening this morning that through our series of reflections, seeing Christ in the Old Testament, that you would experience your heart healed, restored, set ablaze for Jesus. Well, as Jesus walked with them through the Old Testament, he explains how the Christ had to suffer before entering his glory. And so Jesus showed them all the scriptures that spoke of the suffering and glory of Christ. He would walk through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. He would take them through their history, the writings, the Psalms and all the prophets. What a Bible study. But it was more than that. They had been broken, backslidden, but now their hearts were burning with new life. They saw Jesus. Yes, they understood it. The scriptures made sense. Oh, can you see Jesus now taking them to our passage this morning in Exodus? That passage that they were never to forget. Well, on many an occasion, God had asked his people to remember and never forget. Nehemiah chapter 4 at verse 14, Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome. Ecclesiastes 12 at verse 1, Remember your Creator in the days of your youth. Psalm 105 at verse 5, Remember the wonderful works he has done. And there in 2 Timothy, in chapter 2 at verse 8, Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead. And of course, through the whole of the Gospels, Do this in remembrance of me. And so this morning we turn to Exodus chapter 12, where we read of an event that was never to be forgotten, for two particular reasons. First, they were never to forget the Exodus, how God had delivered them from their bondage in Egypt. Every child in Israel were taught to recite, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. 
And secondly, they were never to forget the Passover, how God saved them from death. And so the Exodus and the Passover were to be a reminder of God's love, mercy, saving power and grace. And so the children of Israel were told, don't forget it. It would be a reminder of their new beginning. Yes, this event was so important that God restarts his calendar. It was to be the beginning of months, a brand new start for Israel. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, This month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. Yes, the month of Nisan or Abib was to be regarded by Israel as the first month of a new year. Nisan would usher in a springtime for Israel, a new season of joy and new life. It was the time of the ripening. It would remind them that the winter is past. No more darkness, no more death. In the Song of Solomon in chapter 2, we read there at verse 10, My lover spoke and said to me, Arise, my darling, my beautiful one, and come with me. See, the winter is past. The rains are over and gone. Flowers appear on the earth. The season of singing has come. The cooing of doves is heard in our land. The fig tree forms its early fruit. The blossoming vines spread their fragrance. Arise, come, my darling, my beautiful one, come with me. Israel were about to come out of their winter. Well, before the final tenth plague of death would strike the firstborn throughout Egypt, notice how the ninth plague was darkness. In fact, Moses even describes it as a darkness that could even be felt. Israel had been living in Egypt, the land of Goshen. This had been a long, dark winter that even touched their souls. Their home had become a house of bondage. They hadn't noticed it before, but now they felt it. But now God promises not just a new beginning, but a new life. A new pharaoh, yes, had arisen in Egypt, determined to hinder the worship of the true and living God. But now they would know such freedom. No more bowing down to the images, the idols and the dead gods of Egypt. They would be free to worship the only true and living God. Satan's main goal, of course, is to stop people worshipping God and to keep them as slaves of sin in a house of bondage. He will do everything in his path to ridicule and destroy faith in Christ. Satan has been told... The Messiah is coming. He will shepherd my people Israel. Although you will bruise him, he will crush your head. Yes, he must suffer before he enters his glory. And this shepherd will also be a lamb, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Isn't that lovely? We're reminded that for new life to appear, a seed must fall into the ground and die. And so before new life came to Israel, there had to be a death. And so the last plague to come upon Egypt was therefore the plague of death. But there, in the midst of death, Israel came to experience a new beginning, a new life. Oh, they could sing, amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. But Moses doesn't just remind us that God is the God of new beginnings. 
he is. Here in Exodus 12, we're actually invited deeper, where we can actually see how the children came to experience that new beginning, how they came to walk in a newness of life. And so to experience a new beginning, a new freedom and a new life, they were instructed to do three things. Take a lamb, apply the blood and prepare themselves to leave. And so let's reflect on these instructions from God. Take a lamb. God said you must take a lamb into your home, into your life, and you must be willing to share it with others in your home. The lamb must be a one-year-old male in its prime, a lamb that's coming into its adulthood, and it had to be without defect, the sinless lamb of God. The lamb was also to be prepared from the tenth day of Nisan, and it was to be selected from the flock. It wasn't to be a stray sheep, and it was then to be roasted in fire. Well, at this moment, I'm sure the lights must have gone on in the minds and hearts of the two disciples there on the road to Emmaus. The lamb was to be chosen on the tenth day of Nisan. That was the day Jesus came riding on a donkey into Jerusalem. Oh, can you see the disciples there? Oh, their hearts must have just opened. Many saw that as a fulfilment of Zechariah's prophecy. Your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey. But oh, there is more to it than that. Palm Sunday is not just about the coming of the king. It was the tenth day of Nisan. It was the day of the Lamb. And so on Palm Sunday, God provides a Lamb. Yes, in the days of Adam and Eve, God provides a Lamb. In the days of Abel, God provides a Lamb. In the days of Abraham, God provides a Lamb. On the night of the Passover, God provides a Lamb. And so at Passover, on the Day of Atonement, Israel were never to forget, God provides a lamb. It was to be a lamb without defect. When John the Baptist saw Jesus coming towards him by the Jordan River, he declares, Behold the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Again in Revelation chapter 13 at verse 8, We're told that Jesus is the Lamb that was slain from the creation of the world. Paul writes to the Corinthians, Christ, our Passover Lamb, has been sacrificed. Peter also writes in his letter, He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. And there in Hebrews we're told that Jesus was tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Even Pontius Pilate said, I find no basis for a charge against him. And so at Passover, the lamb was slain and roasted in fire. Upwards of 250,000 lambs were being sacrificed there in the temple courts, while Jesus, the Lamb of God, would be nailed to a cross. There on the cross of Calvary, we see the lamb slain before the creation of the world. It was there where God provides a lamb. Oh, can you see the disciples now on the road to amaze? Oh, they get it. They could see Christ. It all made sense. Well, I love the old hymn of William Cooper. 
There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunge beneath that flood loose all their guilty stains. The dying thief rejoiced to see that fountain in his day, and there me I, as vile as he, wash all my sins away. Dear dying lamb, your precious blood shall never lose its power till all the ransomed church of God be saved to sin no more. Ere since by faith I saw the stream your flowing wounds supply, redeeming love has been my theme and shall be till I die. Then in a nobler, sweeter song I'll sing your power to save when this poor lisping, stammering tongue lies silent in the grave. And so the Lord instructs them, take a lamb. And then he goes on to say, and apply the blood. Well, the blood of the lamb had to be sprinkled on the tops and the sides of the doors. God said, when I see the blood, I will pass over. The blood was a sign for God when I see. But it was also a sign for the children of God that a lamb had died in their place. When God would come in judgment, that final plague of death, they had to trust that the blood of the Lamb was enough. They had to believe by faith. And so when the blood was applied, they didn't just sit in their house. They began to prepare to leave their old life in Egypt. They would walk in a newness of life, a new beginning. And so here we also notice that God said, I'm prepared to leave, get ready. And so they prepared to leave Egypt, the house of bondage. Moses tells us that they ate in haste, ready at a moment's notice, with sandals on their feet, staff in hand. Oh, they were ready to leave for the promised land. When the bridegroom left his bride to prepare a new home for her, she was now to prepare herself. Oh, are you prepared? Have you taken to yourself the Lamb of God? Are you trusting in his blood? Well, the Apostle Peter tells us that the blood of Jesus is precious, and so it is. Even old Simeon, after seeing Jesus, the Lamb of God, he could say, let thy servant depart in peace. Oh, Simeon was ready. He was ready. Well, as we see Christ revealed as our Passover lamb, no wonder the Apostle John declares to him who loves us, and has freed us from our sins by his blood, and has made us to be a kingdom, and priests to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power, for ever and ever. Amen. Well, it is my prayer that the Lord would speak to your heart this morning. Here, this morning, we see Christ revealed as our Passover lamb. He is the same yesterday, today and forever. Will you take Christ into your heart and home? And don't forget, the Lamb was to be shared with everyone. Are you sharing Christ with those around you? As we receive Christ, his blood cleanses us from all sin. Isn't that amazing? Oh, do you desire to be free from your burden of sin? Oh, there's power in the blood, power in the blood. Do you want to know victory over sin in your life? Oh, there's wonderful power in the blood. Do you desire to be whiter? much whiter than snow. Oh, there's power in the blood, power in the blood. Sin stains are lost in its life-giving flow. There's wonderful power in the blood. 
And so may the Lord bless you and encourage you. Oh, may you experience a brand new start, a new beginning, a new freedom, a new life in Christ. And may your winter be over as the Lord ushers in a new season into your life. Oh, may the Lord bless you. Well, let's worship God as we sing together in this beautiful hymn, Christ is Mine Forevermore. invite Bethany to come and lead us in our intercessory prayers. Well, thanks, Bethany. Heavenly Father, we come to your throne of grace with thankful hearts for our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for giving your only Son for us, and thank you that he did not come to condemn the world, but to save it. As we come to present our request to you, we are so grateful that you are a faithful God who hears and answers prayer. 
Today we bring before you all our sisters and brothers, both in our High Kirk family and wherever they are across the world. We think especially of those who are struggling and worried about their future. We ask that you will strengthen them and let them know your peace. We pray for those who are caring for family members, who are ill and frail, and for those who are grieving the loss of loved ones. Give strength to the weary and comfort to the sad. May they all find refuge under your wings. We remember still all those who continue to serve on the front line against COVID-19, and we think especially of our friend Suresh and his team, who care for so many sick people in India. Lord, grant them protection and provide for their needs. We think also of our friend Sammy in Kenya. Bless all the work of Rain Edge and all those associated with it. Again, we hold before you all leaders and those with authority or influence. Father, may they turn to you for wisdom and decision-making and do help them to act with justice and integrity as they serve their people. Help us as your church to reach out to a needy world. Fill us with your spirit and cause us to reflect Jesus and his love to the people we meet in everyday life. We pray for a special anointing on all who preach your word today. May many hear and believe the good news. Let your light pierce the darkness in people's hearts and turn them to you. Come in revival, O Lord, and let us see your will done on earth as it is in heaven. Glorify your name in your church and our communities. Hear our prayers as we ask all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, thank you so much, Bethany, for leading us in our intercessory prayers this morning. Well, we're now going to worship together as we sing in this beautiful hymn of William Cooper, There is a fountain filled with blood.
has been my theme And shall be till I die And now let us go in the strength of the Lord and the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son and Holy Spirit be with us and remain with us now and always. Amen.